Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, book clubs aren't just for women, and beer makes everything better. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys. And this week we are talking about To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee's perennial Pulitzer Prize winning classic. And we're starting with this beer that you brought, Jimmy. Alliteration. It, it is called Har- Harveystown? Harveston? Harveston. Harveston. I mean, you can read, right, dude? But there, it's a British word, so there's a, it's, like, you know how they, they have like weird words with extra letters that they don't actually pronounce? C's that don't make a like, difference? Like uh, the River Thames and stuff like that. Like, how do they leave those letters? No, those Thames? are boots. Those are boots. The Thames. <laughs> uh, so this is called Old Engine Oil. Why did you bring that? This is not a car. Because uh, it takes place in the olden times. That's. <laughs> I'm it's not a sure medieval that, fantasy. <laughs> I'm not sure that cars existed in this book, but you they, know they, they theoretically they did. did. They do, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they had old engine oil in those. That's true. Uh, the book does take place. In, I mean, I don't know if we can. It's the Depression, year, but it's the Depression, right? So yeah. It's, yeah, for sure. They definitely had old engine oil because they couldn't afford to replace the oil in their cars because it was a depression. So they had to leave the old engine oil in. So this is a, a stout of some sort? That's a black ale? Oh, that works That works on another level for something in this book. Uh, that <laughs> I is wonder what it could be. <laughs> that would Viscous, chocolatey, on. and roasty. Viscous. Beer ingenuity. Oh, that's a terrible, terrible pun. I like it. We would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be punishing. So uh, what do you think? The stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get a car vibe at all. Uh, no, definitely don't get a car vibe. It's nice. It's a really smooth. Like, well, it's nice. I it's, not, it's not as chocolatey as I thought it would be, which is good. Yeah, and it doesn't have that like burnt coffee taste that you get in a lot of stouts, like extreme bitterness. This is a much sweeter kind of smooth thing. Yeah. It's nice. At the same time, it's nice. when the stouts are so, the rest of the stouts you find are so like over the top, it's kind of hard for it to be like, this is a great beer. You know what I mean? I kind of like that this one's not over the top. I know. I understand that, but like. If I someone were to ask me, like, what's ones? a great stout, I would never think to say this just because it doesn't leave as strong an impression, which is unfortunate because it's actually really pretty tasty and a little fair. more. The book's told from the perspective of the child narrator, Scout, mm-hmm. who was Jean Louise Finch, who is recounting it as an adult, sort of, the story of like a couple of years of her first, second, third grade years of life. Mm-hmm. And hilarity ensues. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> It's a real knee slapper. So this is probably the most read book in America. Would you say if there's any one it book? It votes Republican every time. <laughs> <laughs> would you say? Or it votes Marx, which is a different kind of read. Would you say, <laughs> is there any book that more people have read than this? Uh, the Art of the Deal. Uh, no. No, uh-huh. I don't think so. I, w- I would say Catcher in the Rise. Although I doubt our president has read this one either. No. Jimmy's, Jimmy's putting the up a real Catcher in the Rise or one. Probably. So it's like this and Catcher in the Rye are probably the most read books. Cat in the Hat. That's a good choice, too. The okay, Bible. Fine. <laughs> I don't, think most people, I don't think most people actually read the Bible. They hear about it. That's true. I've heard that there, someone's doing a thing about the Bible coming up, though. Well, that's why we're getting drunk on the spirit right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> Is that okay that it's the most read book ever? Does it bother you? I was just thinking, maybe we don't need to go into every detail of the plot. But, you know, we will anyway, because that's what we do here. So, all right. So, Jean Louise, she's five years old when we start. Six o'clock. Six years old. It's, I almost said six o'clock. Six o'clock. She's six o'clock. It's yeah. exactly six o'clock years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have just started. This is <laughs> Not me. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she's like, she's, I had three hours to it's kill. It's the <laughs> summer before she goes to first grade. So that's a, the year you turn yeah. six, you, at least today. Though you quickly see that education was very different in, where's it, Alabama? In Alabama. Third grade was like college. I mean, in that, in, in that, that's as high as you could get. Yeah, and then, well, no, Jen goes to sixth grade. Once again, his PhD. It's that's pretty much it, yeah. He's, he's, he's going to basically a lawyer after that. <laughs> he's taking over his father's business. <laughs> All right, there are a lot of, you know, really, a lot of things that go on when uh, she's young, and in sort of the first half of the book, you're just hearing about her basically daily life, and then you don't hear about Tom Robinson and his stuff really until you're halfway through the book. So we'll get into that for sure a little bit later. They just play outside, 
all day, every day, in the dirt, even though they don't, you know, the roads aren't paved. They just walk around, and they're obsessed. Of course, this is one of the, the big things. They're obsessed with their neighbor. Right, because you touched them in the heart. <laughs> I, I don't remember that part. Oh, yeah. That's... It's implied. So they're, they're obsessed with their neighbor named Boo Radley. Right. We, I'm sure you've heard of this. Uh, so they're obsessed with Boo Radley because they've never seen him. And because they've never seen him, but they know he exists, children have created this huge mythos about him, that he comes out at night and eats cats and dogs and peeks into windows. Well, you know, they never say that that doesn't happen, so... It's true. Right. That's the one thing. So, I, well, let's go back to something Nate said a little while ago, but how well-read this book is. When did you first read this book? Ninth grade. Jimmy? I thought that I read it when I was young, but then when I reread it, like, maybe six months ago, I did not remember anything, so I might never have read it. I mean, I read it uh, the summer before ninth grade and just reread it now, and I definitely remembered parts of it. Like, it was a very different experience. Yeah. Uh, but it is a book that most people read in middle school slash high school. I, I kind of knew what it was about, but when I read it, like, the finer plot points were like, I don't remember almost any of this. So I thought maybe I just kind of knew it enough and assumed I had. It could be. I mean, it's one of those things It's like people it's just part know. Part of the uh, cultural Like, you just know Romeo things. and Juliet. It doesn't quite work out. And they jump to conclusions very quickly as teenagers do. Yeah. This is basically the same thing. Right. So you just kind of know this is going to be terrible. Yeah. But when I reread it, I was like, thinking, like, this is kind of like a fucked up book to have every child in America read in some ways. The ones in Alabama don't read it. Well, no. They read a, di- they read a different version. <laughs> it ends after the trial. <laughs> in celebration. <laughs> and everybody had a great time. The end. Mint juleps for everyone. <laughs> Justice was served. (laughs) (laughs) Then they go back to their lesson on the war of northern aggression. And they call Mm -hmm. it a day. And then then they graduate from high school. Third grade. (laughs) No child left behind. They have to start calling it high school now, but (laughs) it's it's third grade. Then they become pig wranglers or whatever else they do, and that's it. (laughs) It's a sweet book. (laughs) So... Uh, everybody's read it, and I think one of the reasons they make everybody read it is, and why it's important, along with other books that catch in their eye, is that it's from the perspective of a young person. And I guess the thinking is, if you're a young person, you want to hear other young people speak as opposed to listening to Charles Dickens talk, or certainly because it's, you know, well, some of those are from the perspective of young people. That's true, but they're like also, but young British children, yeah, young British children, different, from a, right, yeah. so basically ago. old people already. So when this book came out in 1960, it was kind of already an old thing. Like, the world had changed a great deal in many respects from the book. So, setting. Yeah. So, like, nowadays when kids are reading, I don't really understand. Like, it's, it totally has, like, a historical artifact to them. But I do think Harper Lee does capture in many ways, like, the thinking of a child. Like, the Was way... Was she the, from Alabama? Um, yes. Yeah. I guess right. so. Yeah. But, like, the Boo Radley stuff, like... I read that she based a lot of it on real stuff that happened to her. At least vaguely. Like, she had a neighbor that never left the house. Some weird shit like that. I believe it. Boo Radley. Nobody's ever seen him. Oh, yeah. So the reason why I brought up Boo Radley is because I brought what I think is the perfect beer for Boo Radley. This is from what company? Avery Brewing Company. Avery Brewing Company. White Rascal. That's what it's called. It's flavored with racism. Double double dry hopped with hatred. (laughs) It's a different kind of white rascal, I say. It's like a demon on the bottle. A can, rather. Yeah, he's a... A goblin-looking thing. Goblin, goat man, satyr kind of thing. A satyr. It's a Torgo. Sadder, I barely know her. So what kind of beer is that? What does it say on there? Uh, it's a white ale. Belgian-style white ale. Mm. Ale brewed with spices. Your prediction is Jimmy will like this. I probably will. I like the one that tastes like juice. It's, it's all right. It's a little it's brighter than I thought it would be. I don't know the 
term. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's got a little pizzazz to it. I don't know. It's definitely got a clean kind of thing to it, finish to it, but it's got... It's like a very light Belgian, like which I guess is a white ale, I guess. I mean, that's what it means. I don't know. A white ale, didn't we talk about this at some point? It's like from the... Um, it's racist. Wheat that they... It's you, racist. Pick, you pick the leaves it's, when it's, it's still a, young. It's a privileged like beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> straight up there with patriarchy lager. <laughs> no, it's a, they use wheat or something in there to give it that cloudy color. It's unfiltered, and that's... And, that's part of the flavor you get. That's where you maybe, get. The, maybe we've done this before. But you I like, forget. But is that what a, the German the wit is? It's a similar thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a subtle difference between white and wit. But in my tasting experience, they're the same thing. Okay. But the wheat gives it that, and, and also the yeast they use give it that kind of like banana-y flavor you get out of this. That's what it is. All right. There's like a bready banana flavor you get out of it. Okay. We can dig that. It's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah. Totally. It's the opposite of the stout. It's true. It's a good palate cleanser for the other stout we're going to drink. <laughs> Three stouts we have to drink. So would you say these oh, beers boy. are uh, heavily black or heavily white in this episode? Uh, they are all but one will fall into that cate- one of those categories. All right. The other one is uh, we should just not drink it. <laughs> <laughs> just save it for another time. So Boo Radley never comes out of his house. He's like a grown man. He's like yeah. 40 or something like that. He's got to be if you do the math, right? He hasn't left his house in 25 years and he, mm-hmm. they lost, people lost him when he was a kid. Like something happened to him that was traumatic when he was, you know, a very a young adult or teenager, and then he just has not come out. Well, it's because his family was like crazy. His dad was the meanest man in wherever the fuck they live. Make home. Make home. Make him. Make him. He may. <laughs> he may come. <laughs> uh, this, is like, this sounds like something from Fifty Shades of Grey right now. No, he definitely will. <laughs> so something happened where in their childhood, and like the father kept one son, like they got in trouble at school or something like that. And the father sent one son away, and the other son like never saw again, and and they listened to him talk about the Bible or some bullshit, and then he eventually died in Scout's experience. And when he's dead, the older brother comes back to live in the house, right? Like it's just a weird thing, and just no one really understands what's been going on there. Mm. And the house is a scary place for the kids. Mm-hmm. Like it's like going into the house. yard or near the yard is a scary place for the kids. It's like I dare you to go touch their house. And then run away, like the way kids will run up to something, mm-hmm. flick it, and then sprint away. And like, holy shit, I can't believe you did that. That happens in the book because they're so scared of this house. And he leaves them presents mm-hmm. Bradley. So as much Dick as. <laughs> but they're like daguerreotypes because it's in the <laughs> 1930s. <laughs> Hold still for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Think hard thoughts for a while. But he leaves them gifts in the, uh, the tree hole. So... <laughs> <laughs> He's into wood. I think I have that DVD. <laughs> I think you're thinking is that, that the adult version of this is to drill a mockingbird. I was thinking that that was an ent porn. Ent porn. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, things go slowly. That's your that's ent. that scene in, <laughs> seen in uh, Lord of the Cockrings. Lord of the Cockrings. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. The two blowers. The the coming of the king. <laughs> And the Nobbit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or the Slobbit. Either one. That's the DVD is 97 hours long because they do everything real slow. Oh, that's, yeah, the ends. <laughs> it's tantric. It's tantric and sex. It's a bunch of ends and sting. <laughs> so he's into the wood hole and he's leaving them presents. So clearly Boo Radley is as interested in the kids as, he, as they are with him. Yeah, he appears. Now, when I read this as a kid, I definitely thought Boo Radley, I didn't even like understand that Boo Radley was part of it. I just thought like, there's some weird shit happens in this town. <laughs> Who just leaves a bowl of yarn in a tree? And more importantly, why is that a big prize? 
Like, oh, shit, look at all this string I found, <laughs> Scout. We're going to go play with this string now. <laughs> Man, their lives were terrible. Yeah. It was the Depression. Right? I, it's like, that was almost as bad as still playing Sega Genesis when I was in middle school. <laughs> I don't understand what they were doing. <laughs> so it, it, reading, is, reading it again as a grown-up, um, it was interesting to see how obvious that shit was. Like, Boo Rat was clearly like, mentally ill or something. Like, where he's, maybe he's like one of those people. Maybe he's like a show. My 1930s bubble boy. He's... <laughs> But he's allergic to the germs black people carry. You might be. <laughs> I mean, I think they would believe that in in this town because I mean, they definitely believe that in this town. They didn't know what germs were. I feel like they knew what germs were by this point. They definitely knew what germs Not were. Not in Alabama. Oh, that's true. Well, they don't know what it is now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's caused like when people get sick, it's because someone didn't pray enough that weekend. <laughs> right? It's a scourge from God, or, or cast by a voodoo priestess. Because Roy Moore didn't win. He hasn't conceded yet. So I, think, know, I think you're probably right. He, yeah, he's holding out hope for uh, a recount of some sort or something. No, no, no. Or just a public uprising to, <laughs> to restore him to the power he thinks he deserves. <laughs> so Boo Radley is interested in the kids. Not in that way. <laughs> or maybe. You don't know. So I'm going to use this ball of string to tie you up, kids, and have my way with you. You, know? you can't use rope on kids. They're too small. <laughs> string is rope for children. <laughs> that is science. The other character we haven't talked about, who's really the most famous character in the book, I mean, yeah, there's Jem, which is Scout's older brother, and there's Dildo, uh, the other friend, Dil. Oh, who's yeah. just he's a, like a cousin of some kind? No, he's, like a, he's, the, he's a neighbor's he's the, nep- the son or the nephew of one of the other people in town. But he, yeah, his story is sad, because he, he has like no family that gives a shit about him. They just like cart him off forever. Yeah, like every couple of months he rotates and lives with somebody else, so he's always telling bullshit stories about... He's, you know, he's a little liar, fuck him. Yeah, that's why he called him Dildo. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, he's interesting. But then the most important character, and probably one of the more famous characters in American literary history, is Atticus Finch, which is their dad. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so hip, he lets them ever, call him Atticus. Yeah, do they dad. ever explain why they call him that? It's kind of just weird. I don't think it's explained. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just... He just does things his own way. You know, he sees, this is the right thing to do with my children. And he doesn't think they should hang all the black people in town. No. Which is, you know, at that time, and insane. He was, he was Bernie Sanders progressive. He yeah. was... <laughs> He was he was out there. He was the Che of 1930s Alabama. <laughs> Except Che also hated black people, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, he totally did. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's 100% bueno. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about Atticus is the, the character is too unrealistic. Because if you think, of, well, in many ways, but being against racism in Alabama at that time, but he was their elected representative to, like, the state legislature. Nobody would vote for him. It might be because he's the only guy in town that could read. Yeah, he's, also, he's very smart, and he doesn't drink, and he's, like, and, and he's the, be- he's the best man. shot and in he's the town. deadest shot in town. Yeah. Sounds like there's like shifted wildly into a Chuck Norris movie. And he's the baddest ass in town. Lawyer by day, nighttime, he can shoot the dick off a flea. <laughs> <laughs> Circumcised for Jesus. <laughs> yep. That's, that that, happens. Some talent. that yep. happens in the book. It's mm-hmm. Very steady hands. <laughs> but he's a lawyer uh, in the town, as well as being a state senator of some sort, a state legislator. Some kind of thing. And he is a single parent because the mother, he's a widower, the mother's died. And he raises the kids, and throughout the whole book, the other people are constantly telling him how to raise his kids. And he's clearly making the better decision is what we're supposed to believe, right? So, like, he lets the kids kind of run around. He doesn't make Scout wear a dress all the time because she's a girl. And I was like, that's no way for a lady to act. And she's like, well, I don't want to be a lady. Like, so that, yeah, he doesn't force the kids to do things. And he lets them ask him questions. And he doesn't beat the fuck out of them. He's pretty much like the most perfect person in the entire world. He is, and he's incredibly patient and even-handed when the kids don't listen and they fuck up and shit. When his shitty sister shows up, 
Yeah, what was the fuck was her name? I don't know. Mabel, Aunt something. Ma- Mad- something like that. Aunt something. Aunt, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Engage, Wikipedia. And she's all like, make her wear a dress. And he's like, no. Do you, kid. Don't do, do kids. No, he's not talking to Boone. Mayella is the rape victim, alleged person. What the fuck is his, the stupid aunt's name? It doesn't say on Wikipedia. Jemima. <laughs> uh, I think it's you're definitely <laughs> not that. That's a different character, actually. <laughs> That's the housemate they have. Yeah, Calpurnia. Calpurnia. Who's clearly the <laughs> <laughs> word association. That, that's all that was. Um, that and pancakes. It's whatever her fucking name was. The, the aunt who's super like traditional. Yeah. And this is how we do things in this county. And that you know this you you know there's like this strange pride in being of a family that well, like is you know borderline eugenics. Uh, well, that was that was science still in yeah, 1929. <laughs> that was still a science thing. All these people in this family are gamblers, and these ones have a twitchy eyes. Like oh, that's kind of weird. And though, that right? family has a drinking streak a mile wide. <laughs> I don't think I made that one up. Are streaks wide? I mean, if you don't wipe well, you could leave some pretty wide streaks. That's true. That's science. I've done it. I've heard about that. I read about it in a book once. It wasn't this book. It was a different book. <laughs> and it was a cautionary tale. <laughs> My wife told me to read it. I'm not sure why. What she was getting at. I'm just trying to think of a title for it. It wasn't Everybody Poops. I was trying to think of it, too. Um, oh, the places you'll smell. <laughs> oh, the places you don't want to go. In your pants. Green eggs and ham afterwards. <laughs> I'm really just trying to find a book that has third in the title, so I could substitute it with turd right now. And uh, I can't think of it. Everything has just says three, not third, you know? Like, there's no book called, like, The Third Guy. <laughs> you know, that would be perfect, that book. <laughs> but if there is one... Contact us on Twitter. Let us know. No, actually, an, an author did contact us and is sending us copies of her book to read. I would be curious to read that whenever they materialize. Yeah, we did get that, yeah. yeah. In the, down in the, f- in the future, we will do that. Real story. Yeah, you're still looking for that answer? Yes, I am. I'm going to call her Rachel. <laughs> She's a basic bitch. And, uh, that might be right. I think it's something with the M. And... Um, uh, Alexandra. Uh, Alexandra. There's not a single M in that, is there? Nope. I was closer. Yeah, I was definitely, Alexandra. I was, uh, I mean, in, in terms of the alphabet, right, if you, like, I was. That's not how you judge anything, by literally proximity. If I'm picturing it as like a clock face, and uh, A is at 12 o'clock, then uh, M is <laughs> at 6 o'clock. Like, I am about? as far away as possible from it <laughs> as I could have been, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, Z might make more sense, but like, it's, it's, you know, alphabetically, like, then you're, if you go, you're closer, I don't know. So whatever the fuck her cunt name is. Uh, Alexandra. She does not like. Uh, the color progressive ways, and she doesn't like that he lets his kids act like it's not you know 1863, the good old days in Alabama. So she comes to live with them eventually, and that just blows. She really cramps Scout style. But she comes there to live with them because of uh, the increased pressure and work Atticus has to do for this like one day long legal incident. Mm -hmm. It's a few trials one day. Trials really only one day. day. Yep, one day. I thought it was at least a week or something. There's like a lunch break. And then there's a dinner break, and then they... So the whole standoff thing is mm-hmm. before the trial ever starts? The thing outside that's, the jail? That's the night before. Yeah, yeah, So anyway, yeah, let's get to that. Well, you know, since he's a lawyer, let's have our one... There's uh, two. There's two beers. That's right. Let's start with the one that's... Closer to your hand. In my hand already. So Jimmy actually provided most of the beers for this week, because... I did? No, you, I didn't. You got three, oh. I got two, and he got one. Okay, then, yeah. I um, win. This is from the Bronx Brewery? Yep. Bronx, Rhode Island. Really? No. There's like a Paris, you know, there's Indiana. No, there's Texas. no other Bronx, maybe. The Cairo, Illinois. We talked about that in uh, the, only, the only real Cairo. 
There's a, a Naples, Florida. You know, there's all sorts of shit out there. So this is a, a like a cucumber and something. Cucumber and basil. Oh, dude, God. Ber- <laughs> Berliner Weiss. It's like a salad. So this is, <laughs> I, I've not smelled it yet. I've not tasted it. But this smells, is going to be okay. a little funky. Berliner Weiss is tart. And Holy cucumber shit. and basil. I don't really know what to get. Oh, that is a series of unique flavors. It's not. It's not terrible, but it's weird. It smells like. It smells like pesto. I mean, pesto kind of does. Pesto's pretty good. Oh god, you really, you really get the basil. Yeah, <laughs> so there's a lot of basil in like this you beer. Can, you can taste the basil and the and the, even the cucumber a little bit. I can get that. In Usually, there. you can't taste cucumber at all. It barely exists. It's like a water pickle. <laughs> Are you aware of how pickles are made? Just wondering. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Mike and pears. I know how pears are made. I just don't know when you could eat them, apparently. Oh, my God. So I will say on the plus side, this is not as tart and you know, mouth-puckeringly tart as I'm used that's all, to. That's all the basil. But, the, but it is a strange thing. It is from their Up and Comers series. So there might be jizz in this, too. <laughs> and it's called, oh, yeah, what's the name of it? It's from, this, it's from the Bronx Brewery, and it's called Where You Stand. So I guess that works on two levels, but the most basic one, Jimmy, is... They have a standoff. Yes. They're going to go like... Well, we haven't actually talked about the trial at all. Or That's why true. The guy are, is, why there is, even is a trial. Let's, let's rewind let's, it. Let's do that. We're not going to edit it. To <laughs> make it earlier. <laughs> so Atticus is a lawyer, and he does, like, these, he does like wills. There's not, too, like much, there's not too much lawyer, lawyering so, to be done. Yeah. But there's really only two lawyers in town, so he has to do you know almost all of it. So... Oh god, I'm still drinking this. This is just yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's weird. Oh, it's it's interesting. It's one of the more interesting ones I've had. Definitely interesting. So okay, rinse this cup out. Atticus. That's it. Can't be. Another is, I feel like I'm having a salad. So Atticus is assigned to be the so court appointed defender of Tom Robinson because Tom Robinson is accused of a crime and definitely needs a lawyer. Although apparently I, I was. I don't think there was that wasn't a constitutional right at the time though. Yeah, believe it or not. Court appointed lawyer? Yeah. That was the Gideon versus Wainwright case in nineteen like fifty something, nineteen sixty something. So I believe at that time they wouldn't give him a lawyer. That just would not have happened. Another unrealistic thing about the book. I don't know enough about the history of Alabamian jurisprudence, but I believe it. That could be a stretch, in addition to the, you know, entire character of Atticus Finch being a thing. But the issue is Tom, so most of the main, char- the main characters are all white, except for their, their housekeeper, maid, nanny character. Uh, and Tom Robinson's black, and he is accused of assaulting and raping a white woman. So the real shocking thing is that he hasn't already been lynched at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that didn't happen the same day that yeah. he was accused. That's the most unrealistic part. Yeah. So. No, and everyone in town is really... Ready to do it. Really doesn't like, or is really unhappy with Atticus that he's even defending him, that he's even defending Tom Robinson. And, the, and, the, and Scout and Jem are hearing it at school and other kids around town, and they know that other and adults are Scout's talking about it. kids up. Yeah. Their family members are saying her cousin, she beats the shit out of her cousin, I forget whatever the hell his name is. I don't want to guess because I'll get it wrong, but some douchebag cousin's only one scene that's from out of town. He's like, well, the, they keep calling her father the term of the day for a person who is fond of, of black people. And uh, that is them's fighting words for a Scout. So she is constantly defending until Atticus kind of tells, like, you don't, you don't do this, and you kids are going to hear some shit, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to be better than that because that's what gentlemen do, and that's what the right thing to do is. And but he's also never like judgmental of those other people. He goes like, well, they're just, you know, they have blind spots, son, and they don't see what we see. Mm-hmm. But there's all these things throughout the book leading up to the court case. These like, clues about the incredible racism that is just built into Scout's world. 
You know, when she's like, oh, I lie in, you know, I love those summer nights when you just lay on the cot in the porch and hear the Negroes walk by. Like, how do you know that? Like, how do you know that that's who you're hearing? And it, that sort of thing. And then and the fact that they just drop the N-bomb like it's Huck Finn. Two other black people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but why not? And then nobody says like, whoa, hey, slow down there, kid. <laughs> they're just like, well, that's just, you know, this is what it is. Atticus doesn't like that word. He doesn't, no. But he's the only one. He's the only one. Because six-year-old scout throws it out a few times. It's like, oh, all right. She throws it out at the house, Calpurnia, the, when they go to Calpurnia's church. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. they go to the church with their, their black nanny. And everyone there is, I mean, there's like one person who's neat, mean to the kids. But everyone else is super nice, not least in part because of what their father's doing for a black person, and by extension, their community. But then afterwards, the kids' questions are like, how come you talk like a white person to us, but to them, <laughs> you talk yeah. like something else? And she's like, well, she doesn't go like, whoa, hey, that's our word. Goes, <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to, if I talk like a white person to them, they're going to think I'm putting on airs and I'm trying mm-hmm. to be highfalutin. So I talk like they're used to. And they're like, but you know there's the right way to speak, Calpurnia. And she's like, well, yeah, but, you know, this is what people are comfortable with. And, like, that woman had some incredible patience to deal with that crap. Uh, I mean, I guess she probably didn't have much of a choice to, but to grin and No, she that. did not. Mm-hmm. But it was like, ooh, this is uncomfortable. I don't like what's happening right now in the book. They go to the court case. You looking for beer? Yeah. Anything I'm, about that basil shit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open this one. Since we're talking about the, the, old, the old comfortable topic of racism in American history. That was like a queef, like an old lady's queef. <laughs> that was disgusting. It's just like, I'm like, <laughs> So this is from, oh God, just smelling that is horrifying. This is from the, it doesn't smell like an Similar. old lady's queef. <laughs> this is from the McKellar Brewing Organization, uh, whatever their company's called, because it's just one dude. And it's called Black Imperial Stout. So you can see how it connects. So I brought this. The reason why it quiffed its way out of that bottle is because I bought a bottle of it, and then I accidentally opened it a little bit. I dropped the bottle and started to foam, so I poured it into a growler and sealed it up. I was wondering about that. Because I was really drunk at the time. That's why I spilt it. Um, (laughs) And I didn't want to drink more, because this is a 16% alcohol stout that's as black as beer could get and as bitter and dark and ridiculous as it goes. And I was like, I'm not going to, want to appreciate this tonight to drink it, and I'm certainly not going to appreciate it tomorrow to drink it. So (laughs) let me save it for this podcast. Smells like a stout. It's not just any stout, though. Like, that's in... It's like chocolatey. Of, it's chocolate, but also, like, a faint whiff of soy sauce and... Yeah. Um, it's, coffee. It's, it's got a weird flavor. It's almost... It's almost crossed back over into, like, being almost minty. There's something... There's, like, a weird crispness to this. It's intense, though. It is really intense. It's, like, ashen. This is, like, getting punched in the mouth with a hammer of flavor. <laughs> flavor hammer. A flavor hammer. Wasn't that your nickname in high school? It was flavoring, Yeah. That and ball penis hammer, <laughs> as they called me. I got ball. You know, like, this is another type of hammer. Ball penis. Like the ball pen, ball pen hammer? It looks like peen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that how you... Is, is it it's like pen? P-E-I-N or something like that. It's P-E-E-N, I thought. What is it? I don't know how to spell it. They just called I have me no that. idea. They just called me that because of my ball penis. <laughs> <laughs> what's a, what's a ball, ball penis? Pe- what's a ball penis? <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's my hammer. How's <laughs> it? What the fuck does This isn't a fucking intense beverage. So this is not the first time I've had this. I've had this in um, in Denmark, which is where McKellar is from, and I bought cans of it at their bottle shop there. And you know, there was a person, of course, a person working there selling shit in Denmark that spoke better English than I do. And I was like, so what's what's the Black Imperial Stout like? And she's like, oh, with some weird Denmark accent, I can't do. Ooh. It is intense. I was like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, it is. It's an intense experience. I'm like, well, I'm gonna buy 
them with my three of them then. <laughs> <laughs> and then this past week, because you know we record these a few and take a few weeks to put them out, Nate and I went to the McKellar NYC opening day at City Field. Mm-hmm. And I bought, they had bottles of it for sale, and I bought one more to take home. I was like, I can't, can't have too much of that ridiculous beer in my house. And we're doomed, and we're doomed to kill a mockingbird. There are black people in that. Perfect. It was really hard to find books, uh, beers for this book. It was, yeah. We, we have some good beers. There's, there's still, still two good ones that I'm excited to drink, actually. This is Ned. Did you pour that out? I, I just washed out the cup. It was all, all bubbles at that point. I, feel, I felt like if I didn't wash out the cup, whatever beer I had after this would be tainted. Because that flavor is hard to... That is a dominant... That's going to dominate anything else that goes in that cup. Good point. Kind of like that fucking, you know, Caesar salad beer did. That was just weird. It was Caesar's jizz, but it was, it was intense. It was the lob salad. <laughs> right, yeah. What the fuck does that mean? It was a cob salad. It was a thing. It was a lob. Lob is, you know, your fucking man bits. You never heard that? You never, like, no. Oh, yeah. I was like when you, th- when you, like, like, you like, throw toss something. When you like, throw a ball. Yeah, I've far. definitely heard of dick referred to as a lob. I feel like you, I mean, I feel like you need now. a very now large dick, dick to call it a lob. Like you can't have a little... You like heave it towards someone. Like, you know, you just like thump it on the table. <laughs> How about that lob? You know, I can totally <laughs> see that happening, especially in uh, 1931 Alabama. Yeah, that would be fine. I go, look at Paul's lob. You know, <laughs> fell out of his overalls again. Oh, you're scaring the children, Paul. <laughs> Boo Radley, get away from that lob. That ain't for you. It ain't going in your tree hole. <laughs> you, are we talking about the same book right now, guys? I don't really know. I think happening. so. <laughs> Close enough. All right. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's that beer. Uh, and the case is that, did we say what Tom Robinson's accused of already? Yes. Okay. So Atticus has to take this case, and he's leading up to it. And the big standoff that we mentioned to earlier is the night before the case. And this is, like, one of the really big scenes in the book and very famous. And also a really great scene in the, the movie, too, where Atticus leaves the house at night, which is weird because he has his routine. He, like, comes home and he, like, reads, you know, Marcus Aurelius, or whatever. <laughs> he just like reads all the time. He's just so educated. Mm-hmm. And the kid, the kids, just do whatever the fuck nonsense they do. And then he goes to sleep. But he's leaving at night with an extension cord and a light bulb at the end of it. And they're like, "This is interesting. Something is afoot." And he's like, "Just, just go to bed, kids." But they take sneak out of the yeah, house. They're like, "Oh no, we're gonna actually go right behind you and take our friend along." Yeah. And they follow him to town. Follow him to town, and so and then Atticus is. Literally sitting on a chair in front of the jail. Which their jail is the size of a fucking porta potty. Yeah, it is. It's they, tiny big deal well, they never need to put two people in the jail. But there is a line in the book, another one of those, like, oh, this racist lines where they're like, oh, people, you know, never think that, that that jail was, they never think it was a jail. It looks like a nice building. And they would never think it was full of Negroes. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, that, that is a line in the oh, book. God damn it. And uh, he's hanging out front and like right next to this, the window where you have the cell that. Tom Robinson is in. And they're not hanging out playing checkers. No. <clears throat> he, so Atticus is there to make sure that Tom Robinson doesn't get lynched. And it's a good thing he was there, too, because right as Jem and Scout and uh, Dill show up, a crowd, a crowd of, was it the Cunninghams? Or no, the, no, was it the, no, the, the, the Ewells? The Ewells? A bunch of the, bunch Ewells of these, the, the family that's accusing Tom Robinson. Basically, a bunch of white guys show up, and they're like, Atticus, get out of our way. Just, don't we, make it hard. Yeah. Oh, wait. Maybe, but they, <laughs> they're, they're like, not only are they white guys, they're like super dirty farmer guys. Like the guys that the they're, rest of the people in the town are like, that guy's trash. They're trash for small town Alabama. Yes. In 1930. Yeah. They're hill people. Like, they <laughs> yeah, they totally are. Mm-hmm. They've got like a third arm coming out there, torso and one tooth. Well, the way they describe the Yules at their like house sounds like they are living in a junkyard and they're all mutants. It's like they're the like hills some, have eyes. Some end times people. 
Yes, they're 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 uh, a bit like late great planet Earth types just <laughs> hiding in their bomb shelter, <laughs> waiting for the, the 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 rapture. They're filthy though. Like there's a scene earlier, you know, where when Scout goes to school and you see how filthy these children are of these families, and they're the kids that go to school only on the first day of school for the year because mm-hmm. they're like, all right, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna it's go. It's my s- third time going to first grade. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon next year you're gonna bump me up to second grade. Like, because the, the truant officer forces the kid to go to school one day and it just gives up the rest of the year because the family's like, I need my boy out here hustling, you know, pigs or whatever he does. Gathering trash. And, and mm-hmm. but, but Scout, who walks around, you know, barefoot and in overalls like she's, you know, fording the Mississippi with Huck Finn, looks at these children like, they are filthy. Like, you could, <laughs> like, it's like baked in dirt. And at one point, uh, like a light, a louse crawls out of a kid's head and freaks the fucking first grade teacher out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then all the kids are like, oh, what that? That's just a cootie. You don't get to worry about that. <laughs> don't worry, miss. We got this. We'll take care of it. Bug the size of a mouse. And the kid's like, I'm getting the fuck. I'm leaving school. And the, the young teacher who's like, she just came back from the, from the college. She's trying to the, the, the fancy Dewey Decimal System lessons on the kids. And he's like, no school can hold me, bitch. And he just like insults her. <laughs> and she's, mm-hmm. she's left crying on the table. And uh, and the kids have to console her. <laughs> no, now the this, teacher. Tell us another one of those nice stories about a rabbit you were saying before. So those kids' parents, like, like they send their children to school like that, show up. To, they're like, we gotta, we gotta take justice into our own hands with six fingers on each of them to <laughs> to lynch that there. They fella. can't count that high. Yeah. So this is the scene where where Atticus literally talks them down. You know, he convinces well, he them not talk to. Them down. It helped that um, Jem and Scout totally were there. Scout. It's totally because of Scout. But uh, obviously, Jem and Scout didn't know that's what was going to happen, and it was a very dangerous situation. There was it was came very close to you know just either Lynch them all now. Yeah, exactly. It was it was bad. So the kids are hiding, and they're like, "Oh, there's people over there talking to my Paul. Let's go see what's happening." But Jem's like, "No, we got to stay back here and watch." Mm-hmm. And Jem is older by what four years, so he has he's a little more worldly, I guess. And, and he knows what's up. He's yeah, like, and, "Uh-oh," and, and so that means he's. 11 at this time. Well, maybe he's 12. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going through the puberty. And he's, all those passages. He is going through the puberty, it. yeah. <laughs> so he, he's playing, Jem, playing sports. Jim's like, don't go. And then Scout bursts into the crowd. And I think then, and they, you know, was it six guys or four guys? Mm-hmm. Like and she's like, oh, Mr. Ewell, I'm going to go to school with your son. And she starts asking him questions about his uh, legal case ch- that mm-hmm, the father yeah. had, that def- what, an entanglement, not an entanglement, whatever the word, entanglement. Entailment, that's the word. So I don't know what that means. The legal word. I don't know what that word means either. But some sort of legal thing. She's like, how's that entailment coming? Those are hard, those entailments, right? I don't know. You got to be careful with entailments. Like the kid's trying to make small talk and the guys are not budging. Also like, oh, hey, how's your son? Blah, blah, blah. How, you know, I see him at school. And one guy grabs her and she kicks him in the leg or she tries to kick him like him in the balls. Are they and all, then he's like, you armed? got five seconds to get her out of here. And then the other guy, she keeps talking to the guy. He's like, oh, I go to school with your son. He's a nice boy. I, you know, I sat next to him in first grade and. And uh, tell him I said hi, won't you? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the guy just kind of, he's like, he grabs her by the shoulders. And he's like, I'll, I'll tell him you said hi. And then he leaves. And Atticus, they kind of have been hinting that he's old. Like he's 50 or something like that. But he like, is, but he's never looks 50. He never acts old. But now he's like beaten. He's beat. And he's like mops his brow and like wheezes. His hands are shaking. And cause he understood 100% he just, what He just unclenched. Oh, yeah. Duty in the pants. And, uh, and then Tom Robbins is like, hey, gone. You know, whatever. So that's a crazy scene mm-hmm. in the book that I definitely didn't understand as a kid, 100%. It's like, those guys are going to be mean. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to they're gonna yell at him. <laughs> they're going to take a second Genesis away. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to do? They made, she made them do this beer thing. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a trick can. 
You cocksucker. That was the. That's why we make Mike open all of them. Oh, you fuckers. This is uh, one Jimmy brought. It is called Cease and Desist. (laughs) It is by Bodegraven in the Netherlands. It is a Russian Imperial Stout that is. That means it's for everybody. 10.4% alcohol. So this is this is pussy beer compared to that black one we had. Pussy beer is a disgusting term. It just it sounds gross. I guess so. What would be the better term than pussy beer? <laughs> <laughs> Almost anything. <laughs> I think there are plenty of things that are not as efficient efficient at describing wimpy beer. This is delicious, this beer. I like this. It's got like a there's something in it that I can't place. It's like got a it's got more of a sharp flavor in it that I, that a stout usually doesn't have. Well, I think there's like a more... Um, is it because it's strong and it's just the alcohol I'm tasting? I don't think so. I don't think you really taste the alcohol at 10%. Unless you're 10 is pretty high for beer. It is, but if you drink it like the, if you've been drinking on this show, the kind of beers we have often... I have not drinking the kind of beers on the show, yeah. Yeah, right? We, so we don't stunt drink. It actually happens. I, I think there's a like a roasted kind of bitterness you get out of this. Yeah, it's a little bitterer than the normal stout. Um, but it's nice. I kind of like it. It bounces out the sweet, uh, you know, malty flavor this as is, well. This has been an episode of extreme flavors. Well, it was an extreme time. <laughs> it was very extreme. I mean, it was fucked up. So we get to the trial, which is... I'm done. It's my low and noise. So we get to the trial, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably the most important part of the book. The whole trial happens in one day, and it, the key parts are where Atticus is going to prove that Tom Robinson actually didn't do anything wrong. He was just trying to help out uh, Mayella, the, the, the daughter What's of the... the M name I was thinking of? The, the daughter of the... That supposedly was raped. But he's going to prove that really... No, that's not what happened at all. Which is the real... This is the only thing people are pissed off at Atticus about. Mm-hmm. They're not... like You hear at one point, they're like, I understand he had to take the case, but he didn't have to actually try to win it. Well, <laughs> people were mad even before the trial that he was taking the case. True. You but know, but it clearly... The way the community is seeing it is it, it was a black man's word against a white man's word. And, you know, he just, and what what Atticus did is he made the white guy look like an idiot. Um, the, how so? The trash person, mutant hill person look like an idiot. So It's hard to do. <laughs> so I, I forget the order that they were on the stand, but. Uh, first it's the witness who the father of the alleged victim, of the victim went to. He said, oh, he called me and he said some. Uh, gentleman of color just <laughs> raped my daughter, and, mm. and it's Tom Robinson. We gotta go get her. We gotta go get him, and we gotta do that. And that's the first guy who gets interviewed. Or and then, or and then it's the daughter, right? No, then it's the guy. Then, then, uh, then, it's, the it's, the fa- then it's the father. And male is last. You know, like a really key detail is when Tom's Atticus, um, when, no. when Atticus asks the father to sign his name, right? Because that, in at first, you're like, why is he having him sign his name? It's you know, he can read enough, or you know, he. But it's really about mark. establishing that he's actually left-handed. Um, right. So they described how the girl was beaten up looking. And she's beat up about the... Uh, now I can't remember what side of the face it is. Mm-hmm. That would indicate it's a left-handed the, person. the right side him. of her face. Yeah. And she's been choked uh, all around her neck, as if someone with two hands choked her. Mm-hmm. And she's been punched in the right side of her face. And two people testify to that. And then you turn out that the father is left-handed. And then Atticus uh, examines uh, the, the daughter, daughter Mayella. The daughter, and she basically says that, you know, I was just doing nothing, and he came up to me behind me in the house. It was, I called him in to break up a chiffre robe. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. I'm really not sure it's what like it is. It's like a dresser of some it's kind. It's a dresser that has drawers on one side and a door on the other or something like that. Yeah. There's so many so, genres of furniture I don't know about. Mm-hmm. 
And so uh, she says, and she says, you know, he just came up behind me and started raping me. He had his way with me. Had his had his way with me and was all he, what he, he was, was, getting, he was, he was hitting me board. and all this stuff. He was hitting and then and, and <laughs> Jesus. Kind of how it works. And, and then the father came in and chased him away and he ran away. That's her story. So then Tom Robinson takes a stand. And it's clear like for one really important thing is that Tom Robinson's left arm is completely just is just crippled, just broken. It's a full. He's got like a shorter. Birth yeah. No, it's not a birth. It was an act. Childhood oh, accident. Right. He yeah. got his arm caught in a cotton gin. Yeah, as if it couldn't get more. Southern. Damn you, Eli Whitney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Eli Whitney. Oh, the collateral damage of Eli Whitney <laughs> is just limited to Tom Robinson's arm. It's not that's anything it. else. Nothing that ever else went bad with that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and so so that's that's one thing. And as Tom Robinson describes it, is I walk by her place every day. She, uh, a couple of times, she's asked me to help her out with something because it looks like she's, she's like the only girl, and there's no mother, and she basically is taking care of I don't know how many six younger other kids, kids. Yeah, six hundred little she's kids. Seven or she has seven siblings, and she's like trying to take care of them, and he feels so sorry for her. Well, she gave him a nickel once, so she, he feels so sorry for her. He goes and help her, and he's just a really nice person, and he helps her out sometimes, and every what couple of weeks, couple of months, he he because he, he walks by every day. He helps her out, but this one time he comes in and the other children aren't there. Yeah, and she has sent them away. She bought yeah. them. She sent them to go buy ice cream in town. She saved up her money for uh, like months nickels. to save uh, like nickels. She saved up enough nickels to for each kid to get an ice cream so that they could all be gone at the same time. Which in 1930 was probably one nickel. <laughs> How much could it have really cost? Still took her months. <laughs> yeah, because they just have no money. Um, and he refused. He said, oh, I didn't want to take any money from them because I know how poor they were, mm-hmm. which I think insults to some extent. Like, that's part of the thing. Like, the Ewells mm-hmm. are, they're, like, in the in-between worlds, to so to speak. Like, they're the, they, they're they're white people, so, like, the black people don't have nothing to do with them or they want nothing to do with the black people. And the other white people look at them as, like, the trash. So that, Is that like, mm-hmm. on welfare? Yeah, they're on welfare. Like, that's one of the things Atticus establishes, like, to, like, build character or, you know, the picture of the character. So they, they're on welfare. And uh, and he has so many children that, like, even the welfare check's definitely not enough. And he doesn't just, like, drink it all away? Yeah. Was it Bob? Bob Ewell? I think so. Yeah. Something like so that. anyway, uh, according to Tom Robinson's story, it, which is, of course, what in, as a reader of the book, you obviously are like, well, this is definitely what happened. So, so Tom Robinson goes into the house, and he's like, oh, I'll help you with your next shift of robe. And, but, and she starts kissing him. Yeah. Because, you know, she's just so lonely. Because, um, well, you could never go back. So she once had, you know. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even Tom the first time, but, you know. You know what I'm saying. All right, apparently I missed that part part of the book. <laughs> was it implied that the dad was banging his daughter? He certainly is the one that beat the fuck out of her. I mean, but, like, beyond that. I don't remember. I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if he... Uh, Maybe I, they didn't, I didn't get, get, they get that dark. I don't think so. I just, I honestly can't remember. No, I don't think, I don't think they went there. I think it's just that he beat the shit out of his kids. Cause he's an yeah, because after, after she starts kissing him, the father, like, walks in. He, you know, he... He comes, he's outside, he, he sees, hears the screams, is what he says. He I says he heard screams, but, he but clearly she wasn't screaming. She, you know, um... Uh, you never so, know. <laughs> you don't call Schlong Robinson for nothing. They didn't get that far. The impaler. 
So anyway, and so clearly the fa- so Tom is doesn't you know try to encourage this at all. But the father walks in and sees them, and then he starts yelling. He starts yelling. Tom just runs away, which of course because he ran away, obviously he must be guilty. That's what sort of part of the the, the prosecution is. And so the, then the father clearly beats the shit out of his daughter. Yep. And, and and clearly this comes out on the stand, and it's obvious that's exactly what happened. Yep. And then justice prevails. <clears throat> oh, no, wait, I'm sorry, different book. No, mm-hmm, not this book. Uh, and then they, the jury goes to deliberations, and they actually have to deliberate a long time, which was a new thing, because usually they, they just had to take five take minutes. a while to decide how they were going to kill him. <laughs> you think he gets no. the chair? Uh, I, I, it, it, it sort of comes out later that there was a lot of discussion in the jury room about should we, I mean, Clearly, what Tom said, Tom Robinson said, is the truth. But we can't go back to it. one of the two, one or two of the jurors was was definitely <clears throat> thinking that they should vote innocent instead of guilty. But no, after a while, they come back, and it's clear that the that they uh, vote that he's guilty. The end. Oh no, wait. <laughs> no, there is more. So this is one of the things about the American justice system is that the jury can decide whatever they want. It isn't 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 the case that the jury has to go by what the facts say or what the evidence say or what the judge, what the instructions are. Once the jury makes a decision, that's final. And they can't be punished or prosecuted or anything like that for deciding somebody's guilty when they were clearly innocent. Nope, that's, there's, there's no repercussions for that at all. No, which is, I mean, shitty, but what would be the better, are you suggesting there's a better alternative to that? No, 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 definitely not. Really? It's just, it's <laughs> just, the, it's just the way it works. <laughs> They burn your hand in a pot of water, and if it's healing in three days, you're innocent. <laughs> you go back and not a witch. You know. <laughs> that, that was a real thing. If you, if you weigh as much as a duck, yeah, that's how you should decide. If you could float, you're clearly a witch. <laughs> they just do that for everything. So I've heard if you bring up this issue when you're being picked for a jury that they won't put you on the jury. Did you bring because, up to Killer Mockingbird? Yeah, because if, uh, if you say something to the judge or the, the, the other lawyer that you clearly understand you don't have to follow their directions, they will take you off the jury or... Or they will be really mad if you're already on the jury, but they <laughs> won't pick you for the jury. Like, you can get out of jury duty by talking about To Kill a Mockingbird. I think <laughs> if you just say uh, a lot of the things characters say, they're like, that person's racist. We don't want them on the jury. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Like, Calpurnia, why do you talk like that? And like, oh, no, no, oh, oh yeah, you know, you can go back to the general waiting room now. And at the end of the day, and you ever, have you ever been to jury duty? I never have, actually. Oh, man. I got lucky. Which I'm, I'm, I've done jury, done jury duty and did a, a two-week time on a, a jury when I was in college. And I, it was the most boring fucking shit in the world. It was a civil case about like a, a handyman who like hurt himself repairing a boiler, and they were <laughs> suing the boiler company. So I was 19. I was the jury foreman. <laughs> I fell asleep every single day, and I was late to court most days because I had to take the bus there. Like justice was not served. And the most, the fucked up part about it, not even once did I hear a gavel noise. What? Been, right, it was fucking, like, I was hoping like, every day, like, all right, court adjourned, dun, dun, uh, no, nothing. And then the end of the court, end of the trial, like, we found whatever stupid thing we found, and, like, we don't award damages to somebody. And then the guy's like, all right, thanks so much, Jerry, for your time. Have a good day. They'll give you your form that you could tell your jobs that you were here. Like, What's not, just do the fucking noise. No gavel. And then the judge would talk to me after, like, every day. Because I had brought a guitar with me one day because I had to go from there to my guitar college class afterwards. And like I still, you know, that was I chose to go to that, but I used it to get out of going to my finals for that week. <laughs> uh, but I still like I have my guitar lesson. I got to do that. Um, the judge is like, "Oh, you play music, huh?" And it's like this sixty-year-old man. And he's like, "I used to play percussion in a Latin jazz group in the '60s." And I'm like, "Okay, uh, that has to do with guitars." <laughs> 
And he would say, oh, yeah, if you listen to this album, and he'd name some obscure, out-of-print bullshit that I would have never listened to if he gave it to me. Um, so every day he would just like, hey, man, so what's up with, what kind of music are you into? And it's like talking about that shit. I'm like, aren't, like, this can't be appropriate. Can't be, like, getting buddy-buddy with a jury. I, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter for the judge as much, but it was a fucking weird experience. It's still weird. That was, like, over 10 years ago, so I'm due now for a... Uh, I mean, you had to do it for two weeks. Imagine how many boring-ass cases these guys are through. I mean, I guess so. Well, that, that's the judge in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird is a really interesting character, too. Because they think he's oh, yeah. sleeping all the time, but he's totally paying attention. He's like cleaning his fingernails with a pocket knife, and then and not smoking a cigar. Well, sometimes he's, he's like chewing it. No, but he's just like chewing it because he's not smoking yeah, it. He, oh yeah, he's but he'll like chew the entire cigar like a Ooh. fucking weirdo. It's like you can buy a chewing tobacco, dude. It's it's 1930s Alabama. <laughs> you, you, you just pick it off the trees. You know, it's just right there. It's, they give it to you for like the milkman delivers it. <laughs> But yeah, the judge is a really interesting character. I forgot his name. It's not Wapner, but whatever the judge's <laughs> name was. He's super funny and and like clearly he's been listening to these stupid cases and he knows all he's the, the dumb people guy in town. town as smart as Atticus. Right. So after they find Tom Robinson guilty, he is now gonna go get executed essentially, like right yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Like, not that same day. And and Atticus has a plan for his appeal, you know, to oh, we can appeal this for sure. Except uh Tom basically decides that he's just going to go and try to escape. Well, supposedly, this is the story that's told. Perhaps he was just killed in the prison, or perhaps... No, he, he really, definitely escaped. He, he definitely, definitely tried to escape. To escape. He, he, got, like he was shot on the fence or something. <clears throat> shot in the back well, halfway up the fence. Well, that's what they said. If he had two good, good arms, he would have made it over the fence. Mm-hmm. Right? Because Tom has this one useless arm. Like, the rest of him is like, heavily muscled from just chopping cotton all the time. Breaking up chipper robes. <laughs> yep. Not fucking white chicks. And he... Runs in the prison yard and they shoot him. You know, even though he's like twenty something years old and has a bunch of kids and a wife and you know wants to, is a fine person and doing the right thing. But the system is deeply flawed. It's 1930s time. Alabama. Yeah. So I guess he's like, oh, this is this. Uh, this is my one shot. Otherwise, I'm definitely gonna die. I might not die this way. And then he dies. And then that's still not the end of the book. Like you feel like that yeah. should be like, wow, holy fuck, that just happened. And then it's, yeah. there's like. So, so fifty more pages because Whoa, Bob, yeah, because because Bob Ewell, the father that beat up his daughter, um, the father he clearly he says that he's going to get even, um, and it it takes a couple of months, but at, at a school thing, a school pageant, she's dressed she, as a ham. She's dressed as a ham, yeah, because <laughs> you know she was a method actor. <laughs> so she's dressed as a ham, and she's on her ham. way back home from the pageant with that, Jim, with Jim that he that they get attacked. Is Jam just has another food? No, I don't think so. She's the only ham. She's the only ham, yeah. Okay. She's really hamming it up. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm going to open this last beer. Yeah, we got to talk about this last beer. In honor of Bob. <laughs> so this beer is called Yellow Belly, which is from... It actually doesn't say the fuck... It's by two brands. It's by Buxton Brewery and Omnipolo, which I believe are both British. It is a, it's a bottle. British one? I believe so, yeah. That's a weird design. They've it's an 11.2-ounce bottle. This is definitely not from the States. It has little little, little holes. Yeah, yeah imported I thought, I thought by... it was funny that they were, like, drawn in, but they're holes. I thought they were, too. <laughs> yeah, right, how brilliant is it? <laughs> that makes it better. It's a bottle that comes... It's a stout that comes wrapped in a white... <laughs> a white piece of paper, so it looks like a clan member. It's got little eye It holes. really does. It's fucking... I can't hysterical. believe a British company made that. It's not, you know, it's not too soon for them, you know? Like, if you uh, have access to... Google, you should definitely look up a picture of this beer. We should, we'll it's called the Yellow Belly. I've definitely tweeted at least one picture of this already. I like to pour it a lot here, but fuck you guys. So uh, there's a whole story on here that you could read. But basically, they're criticizing the clan. It's not like this is clan lager, and this is what they drink. 
It is a big, heavy-duty stout. That's Did they make it like the darkest beer they could as a joke? No, no, that would, <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> it's got a weird texture to the label. Yeah, it's, it's it feels like really shitty Braille. <laughs> Maybe there's like an extra message in or there. Or like someone who hasn't moisturized in nine years. <laughs> so um, there's a whole story on there about like, like the we don't like people who hide behind man. Like it's very like anti-clan, anti. Oh, saying like white supremacists. They're covering up their shitty. Being pussies by you know trying to be tough, but they're hiding behind this thing. I'll read it exactly. It says. Um, to us, one of the most cowardly deeds is to act anonymously, hiding behind a group, a signifying trait of institutionalized racism. This beer is brewed to celebrate all things new, open-minded, and progressive. It is a peanut butter biscuit stout with that no biscuits, exactly butter, or nuts. Taste and joy, don't be prejudiced. So I guess um, it's bis- there's a type of malt, like a biscuit malt, um, and this it doesn't is, have... I, I like this a lot. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> it's a very like, chocolatey it tastes, smell. It tastes like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, it's really delicious. This is the most dangerous beer I've ever had in my life. It is. And it's, uh, how strong it is? Hold on. I think it says on his, clo- his robe. I could drink about 46 of these. You would die. Yes, this is my most favorite delicious racist beer. It's 11% alcohol. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is silky. and This is incredible. Velvety deliciousness. Jesus, Lord. <laughs> You <laughs> comment from our our, our uh, peanut gallery. Yeah, the peanut mm-hmm. appropriate for this is which is peanut hole, <laughs> which is all all clans members were this nice inside. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe they're just afraid to let themselves be loved. But they definitely eat a shit ton of biscuits in this book, so that's doubly oh, no. appropriate. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? It is delicious though, right? They're delicious. This, this also delicious. reminds me of the. Uh, uh, a clip from the Chappelle show called The Black White Supremacist. That was the oh. first Chappelle episode, skit. Yeah. That was the first one, really? The f- like the first, it's, it's, it's the first episode. It might be the first skit. It's awesome. It like hit the ground running. <laughs> Damn, Negros. <laughs> so this is it's beautiful. just it's beautiful delicious. Thing. If it weren't expensive, I would have bought more of them. But that's, that's really good. I'm glad you didn't because we would die. It's one of the few beers, maybe the only beer I've ever had with peanut butter in it or peanut, yeah, that actually tasted like it. It's normal. It's weird because normally you have a lot of D's nuts. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that joke will always be funny to me. D's nuts. Is I don't funny. know what it is. <laughs> Scout gets attacked. They're on the road, like just a couple of houses down. But it, of course, it's night, and there are no streetlights or anything, so it's completely dark. <laughs> and they she's get attacked. Dressed as a fucking and she's, ham. And she's in this like weird costume where she can't move. Are <laughs> her arms like straight out? Goal of that, like, hey, children, we're gonna dress up as deli meats today. <laughs> I don't understand why she was. They, it was a play about. It wasn't a deli play. Meats? It was a pageant. She's like, we're just gonna dress up as shit, oh, and then the each parade out on the thing. That's it. We're just gonna parade out. And then and she when she asleep. called the ham, I was asleep in the back and couldn't. It was too hot. It was too hot in the ham, so I fell asleep. <laughs> a ham needs to be warm. So Scout gets attacked. Jem gets like knocked out. He's out cold. He gets taken the fuck out. He's a bitch. They sort of like they don't exactly know what happens. Okay, and then and then Bob Yule is like dead on the ground. Well, yeah, because Jem <clears throat> can't see. Um, Jem is knocked the fuck out, and Scout can't see because she's like knocked over. Mm-hmm. Like someone attacks them, beats the fuck out of Jem, and clocks him, and then. Goes to Scout and she gets knocked out or knocked down, but she can't see because she's in the ham costume. Yeah, and she can't move because she's in the ham costume. It's hard yeah. to fight when you're in a ham. And then when they come, like people find them, right? And yeah, isn't Bob Yule's dead. Someone comes out of someone comes out of nowhere and saves them. Well, they it, don't exactly. Yes, but they well, don't. Know they, don't they don't. know. She exactly can't tell because she's in the ham. She can't see. They don't know what happens, and then they call the sheriff and they get them in the house. And at first, Atticus thinks that um, 
uh, he, he's afraid that Jem, no, not Jem, that's, yeah, Jem stabbed him. And that's how he said who him is. Well, yeah, actually, no, Jem no, stabbed Bob Yule. Bob Yule. Yeah. He's, he's like laying he's, face down with his knife in his chest. Yeah, so he's, he's dead. Um, so first, Atticus thinks it's Jem that does it. Scout, like, magically notices the white rascal in the corner that he's actually been sta- hiding. He's actually been standing there the whole time, and he's just as pale as could be because, you know, he hasn't, been, he hasn't seen the sun in 15 years, 25 like years. Without the powers. You know, and without Jeff Goldblum. And clearly what happened, and clearly what happened is that, is that Boo Radley watched what was going on and came out and saved them. And stab and uh, basically got the knife away from Bob Ewell, it's or just plain stabbed him with his own knife. The the cop seems to say that Bob Ewell got drunk and fell on his own knife. Was that just a cover up or I saying that like, was? Oh, I think it was a cover up. His knife because the, the sheriff is trying to say, you know, don't make Boo Radley, who just doesn't go out in public, don't make yeah. him go through the so the, so Boo killed him. Yeah, go through. I think so. Go through having to go through a trial and all these things. Let's just say, and I can prove it. Let's just say because that we haven't he, invented science yet. Mm-hmm, <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't watched enough CSI. Uh, let's just say that he fell on his own knife. End of story. What technology could they have used? The power of fingerprinting prayer? had been invented. I know it had, it's from the but they didn't even. have it there. Everyone was too sweaty. <laughs> Couldn't use the dust. <laughs> it's very too, hot. Too humid. Can you dust too a ham? Too humid. <laughs> dust just clumps. So anyway, that's the end of the book. That's that's where the book ends. Right. Yeah, right. That is the end of the book. So join us next week. No. Well, okay. So uh, there's more we should talk about, or at least one other thing we should talk about, which is why is this book so famous? And you know, is it still is it still relevant today? Why was it so famous? Is it still relevant today? And should people still read it? Should they? Should we still make ninth graders read it? I think 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why not. I actually really enjoyed rereading it. I I, liked it. I also did. Like I didn't. I thought I had, but I'm pretty sure I didn't now. And it was, it was, it was a great book. And I, yeah, there's no reason that kids can't read it. There's nothing in it that they can't handle. Well, if I were, uh, I'm sure some people, I'm sure some people would argue that today, perhaps more than ever, we should be reading about this sort of thing about, yeah, know, racism and yeah. the sort of institutional things that protect racism, the biases that people have, or the way people are willing to ignore things because it's simpler and easier. And, you know, brave people like Atticus Finch stand up for justice and blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm and sure how much Alabama sucks. Yeah. Roll Tide, you fuckers. <laughs> the only people who go to college in that state. <laughs> They're from out of state. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me get some cheap college. I'm going to go to Alabama. You know, cl- clearly the book was awarded the Pulitzer Prize in 1960 because it was about race. Because that was such the height of the civil rights movement. I mean, and so was it 1960? 60. Yeah, 60. when it comes out. So it hasn't know. reached peak civil rights yet. No, but I mean, it's, clearly, it's, I mean, it's, it's like definitely getting in there. Bus boycott. For sure. Dr. King and Malcolm X are doing their thing. And for the definitely very liberal writer judges who are on, who award this, you know, it was, this was definitely, you know, something they were thinking about. So that's why it was awarded it. And that's why it became so well read. So, so widely read after it won the award and things like that. And so it leads to the question, should people still read it today? Well, I think race might still kind of be an issue right now. So... I, mean, I thought Obama fixed that. No, no. I thought that was going to happen. That's what we all almost thought, but it didn't yeah. happen. It, it was just not quite. Mm-hmm. Good news, just everyone. A little bit oh, more. Shit, we were wrong. Well, apparently, after Obama, you could go black. You could go back, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we did. So it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Do they read this in other countries? Like we read, I guess. I'm sure like, it's published in the like we have. Like we read a lot of British books and shit. But do other countries read this and think like, 
fuck America, or do they even read it at all? I bet they don't. I think the reason we read a lot of British literature in school is because the there's language. not as much great American literature from it's more than like 130 times. years ago. There's not a whole lot to speak of yeah. before Mark Twain and Nathaniel Hawthorne. So Nathaniel Hawthorne was American? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scarlet Letterman. Oh, right. Yeah. He also wrote the very Franklin British Pierce. name. Just helped Franklin Pierce get elected. Um, yeah. Weird. President number 14, man. Remember that. So the... Uh, uh, the British shit is to fill in, like, we need some older crap and make, I cannot name for you a 1700s American novel off the top of my head. I don't think most people could. So, they're, they're, I'm sure stuff existed, but they're too busy build, you know, printing pamphlets about not wanting to pay their tea taxes, <laughs> and nobody was writing books and that shit. So that's why we read a lot of British crap. We don't really read a whole lot of literature from other countries unless you not very take much. a special college course mm-hmm. in that. You know, like, yeah. you don't read German literature and translation until you take that course called that in college, you know? Yeah. So I bet other school, other places don't read this book. So it's a, would you say it's a uniquely American thing? Sure. Yes. Right? I mean, you're dealing with, I mean, there are characters in the book who, there's an old lady who carries a Confederate state's pistol, allegedly, right? That's like the myth about the, the mean old bitch that sits on her porch. No, yeah. And there's another time when they mentioned the Confederate, the one veteran who's still alive from the Civil War. From the war. Because <laughs> I mean, he was an old man. I mean, mm-hmm. we had... There was like the last Civil War veteran died in the 1950s. I mean, that's, yeah. There was a Civil War veteran on television. Yeah. He was a, he was like 97 years old or something like that, and they put him on TV. It was one of those like panel quiz shows, and it's like guess why you know guess what's interesting about me? And he was he was a Civil War veteran. And so like this is like 1952, 1953. Yeah, five minutes. No, I mean it's it, it's totally an American yeah. experience in in American history. I probably wouldn't get it. No, I don't think. I mean, I think the nuance of like the nuance of like American history, like the shitty race relationship race that we have, is not easily translated. I think I, I can't for that reason. I would think it's not super popular overseas or in other places. Pulitzer is is that is that just an American? Prize? That's American. Just American. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another thing we should talk about: Go Set a Watchman. Right. What the, the fuck is that? It's the so Harper Lee who wrote. Tacoma, oh. She wrote one fucking book in her life. Mm-hmm. And she just died One and last done. year or two One, years ago. Like two years, years ago. Yeah. She just croaked. She was an old, you know, dementia out bag. And she died never having written anything else after To Kill a Mockingbird. So yeah, no, no one wants to listen to that no, second album. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Take that, Led Zeppelin too. But she never wrote anything else. She just coasted on that sweet, sweet Mockingbird money. And when she, right before she died, it came out, like some publisher had tricked this blind old woman into signing away the rights to publish Go Set a Watchman, which was her earlier draft of To Kill a Mockingbird. And when she wrote it, whenever that was, 1957 or 1958. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, apparently the, the feedback from the editor was, oh, I liked the parts about the kid, about Scout. Yeah. You should make the book about that. And then she rewrote it, and that book ended up being To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, I think, I, think the, I haven't read Go Set a Watchman, though I actually got it after when I was reading this. I was like, I'm going to go read that now, but I haven't gotten to it yet. So she really did never write anything again. Not to, not to uh, my not, Never published. Never released anything. Yeah. Um, just a, dra- a rough draft and this one. I mean, it's the way to do it's it. It's a pretty good record. It is. You know, in terms of percentages, it's 100%. Well, when Ghost Set of Watchmen came out, it was a big deal because, you know, without the, wait, the book even being available yet, schools were assigning children to read it over the summer. You know, mm. p- schools were ordering hundreds and hundreds of copies so every kid could read it the next year instead of reading. Like, it was like a big deal for some reason. I, I know, I think it's a lot, I think it's a lot darker in, like, I think Atticus not is not, not from quite a the refined character. Perspective, so true. It's got to be a little darker. I haven't read it yet, but I've, I've any anyone I've spoken to who has read it was like that was a piece of shit. I can't believe it. It's like that was the Phantom Menace of books. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's that's a lot, man. 
I don't know. Yeah. That's pretty damning. That's pretty fucked up. Like, give me a pod race any day. I don't want to read this fucking shit. All the good pod race. All right, so what do we think of the beers? I mean, I think in terms of... Uh, that racist one was the best The racist one, one was the best. That was, that was just pretty good. I mean, it just... The presentation, the uh, I think I think the presentation will alone, like, scare people off from trying it. Like, you don't want to be seen buying the bottle of beer <laughs> that's dressed like a fucking Klansman. So, when I, so the whole story about, like, we think these people are pussies, that's... You have to buy it and unwrap yeah, it. Yeah, you don't buy that. that until later. So I bought this. I was like, "Is this? This is weird looking." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm just gonna buy it because it's a stout or something." And then uh, the guy bringing it up was an African American gentleman, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and it's at this store I go to often, and I'm friendly-ish with him. Not that I, I mean, I'm not now that I hang out with him, not because of that, but <laughs> just like I don't. He's not like my bro that I hang out with. But I was like, "Hey, man, does that look like a Klansman to you?" And he's like, "Whoa." Yeah, what it else does. could it look like? It's not a fucking like, ghost. I don't know, maybe it's a spooky ghost. It's, <laughs> it's not a spooky it's ghost. A spooky, ooh, it's a spooky ghost. And he's like, oh my God. And then he immediately shows it to like everyone else in the store. He's like, oh man, that's not good. <laughs> Let's put that in a bag. I'm going like, to take that to go now. I'm going to go home and burn a cross I've, and drink I've that beer. I've never seen that anywhere else. We got it at the beer shop in the, uh, in the Manhattans. They have Westside. It's delicious. If I ever see it, I'm going to buy it all. It's like 13 bucks for that bottle. I'm going to buy one or two. <laughs> <laughs> what, what will people say when they see somebody buying Look out, everybody. I'm coming on. <laughs> of Klansman beer. Can't have a clan of one going out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your kerosene. <laughs> so uh, that was probably my favorite. Though I think actually they were all pretty good, except for one noticeably not so interesting. Well, interesting, not so enjoyable beer. Would that be the salad beer? And if I had to pick one, <laughs> yes. It was, it was interesting. It was interesting. It wasn't bad. It was just fucking weird. I just don't. I don't need salad dressing the beer. You know, I don't. It's need not even that. the dressing. It's the salad itself. It was. It was fucking bizarre. I mean, nice try, Bronx Brewery. Keep you keep at that. But but not this one. Just you know, <laughs> making beer. Keep at that. Keep at other ones. It's a no nonsense ale. It there was, was definitely no nonsense was in there. All, I think it's all nonsense. Like, it's fucking nonsense about basil. <laughs> Basil's real serious. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I like basil. Exactly. I, like pesto. I don't like it in my beer. I've I've learned today. That's fair. Which I realize is the same kind of logic a lot of the people in To Kill a Mockingbird like use when they're like, I don't mind the black people. <laughs> I just don't want them in my town. So or near any of my friends. I guess I have to reconsider my position on this beer now that I think about that. Yeah, you have to like the beer now. I do. It's wrong not to. <laughs> it was fucking weird. It was very weird. Um, so yeah, it's To Kill a Mockingbird. Should people still read it, Nate? What did you think? I'm kind of 50-50 on that. Really? Because I thought it was really slow. I thought it was, I thought it was really just kind of slow at the beginning. It was, it was a weird pace. The first half of the book, it, it, you, until you get to the part about Tom Robinson, the book doesn't have a point. It's really just, well, these are just what it was Grow, like in 1931. I mean, that's, it just didn't seem to like be going anywhere. Until that point, you oh you it don't was, see where it was going until the until you're three quarters of the way through, but you got to get three quarters of the way through it and then you go oh, and I'm usually I'm usually not that patient. I'm just not. It's halfway through that you get to the trial, but it's hinted at along like about a quarter way through. They're like it is, your daddy it is, is a weird, this, and it's like, a weird like proportion of plot versus other stuff. One criticism I have in the beginning, Scout's like, well, I think it all started the summer that Diddle showed up. I'm like, well, what the fuck started? What are you talking about? Like, because that was like two years before the Tom Robinson thing. So uh, it's not that. It's all her memories. That's what it is. That really? That's what she remembers? I have no fucking idea. Well, one thing I, like, I was thinking, who, who's narrating it? I know it's the child, but like, 
at times she slips back into it would take me years to realize I, mean, I think this. it's it's a scout recounting it but like but it's still also but if it's if you're recounting it wouldn't the whole thing have that kind of she editorial wrote, she wrote hand one book give her a break so should it still be read? You say 50-50. I'd say yeah, why not? Because if you're going to take it out, what do you replace it with? Yeah, I would say there's no real thing that is like bustling to get on that list that we could remove it for. Especially if you're looking for something of similar themes, right? Like justice mm. and racism and, you know, It's better than Catcher in the Rye. It's definitely better yes, than Yes, if sure. anything, get rid of that piece of shit. I think uh, there are plenty of things better than Catcher in the Rye. To Kill a Mockingbird, if you wanted to teach kids the same kind of things, I don't know what you could come up with very easily that would fit. I mean, I thought I'm an expert, but... Nothing I've ever read was like, that's just as good. So, I mean, if there's something better, I'm all for it. But I don't know what it would be. So, I, I don't have an answer for what, what would be Keep buying it. Harper Lee's estate. Keep cashing those checks. Or tell us what you thought. Send us an email at drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. The site. <laughs> this time it's personal. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. <laughs> Die harder. Go set a watchman. <laughs> so. All right, join us next time when we read Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Thanks. Thanks.